Welcome back to OPA Podcast, episode 54. Today, we're doing something very special and very new. Today, we're going to do a two-parter episode. So essentially, we'll have one conversation at the start of the podcast talking about uh, the last game, preview the next game, any hot takes, and then we have an intermission just for a few seconds to take a break and then move on to the next section with the next group of hosts to talk more about the same topic, recap, and uh, preview the next game with our different opinions and thoughts. Uh, as the reason for that, Wyatt and Griffin are unavailable tonight. It's better for them tomorrow. So hence, uh, we're going to do it this way. But tonight, for this first segment, it's going to be myself along with Soup. Say hi, Soup. Hey, what's going on? So today, uh, Soup, we're going to recap uh, the game against Penn State last weekend and then also preview the next uh, matchup, which will be our last Big Ten East opponent, Rutgers. So you ready? Yeah, let's rock. All right, let's move uh, to uh, recapping Penn State. So, quick reactions. Uh, sadness? I don't know. <laughs> uh, do you want me to elaborate more than that, I guess? I can. Um, I don't know. Yes, I please. just. I think it was another game where you lacked consistency on both sides of the football. And that's like been a core piece of identity for the Gophers under P.J. Fleck for the past six years is that they've at least been consistent and disciplined. And they were not either of those things uh, Saturday night. I think from my reaction, um, just to preface this, I did not watch the full game. Um, I had a Halloween party I was hosting, so I was off and on with the stream and looking at the box score and stats. You didn't online. really miss anything. So my initial thoughts, going from first to fourth, like just watching uh, uh, on a, uh, with, a, with a side eye, um, I thought the game was close after, at, at, at halftime. Like, I saw the score was 10-17. Oh, no, initially, I first saw the game, we're 3-3, right? We're tied. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I checked back in as halftime. We're down only by 7. Again, 10-17 or 7-17, whatever the uh, situation was. Sure. Yeah, 10-17 at that point. And I thought, okay, we still have a close game. I, I, I think defense was playing well, at least that first half. And I saw it in the highlight reels that it looks like in the first half we played pretty well on defense. Um, and then, obviously, uh, Ethan getting the first start, I was expecting some rough pains in this game. Um, but once I, I chimed in again after the third quarter, and like, oh, shit, they scored three drives. To three touchdowns it, in the third quarter to make it 38 10 obviously took 21 points in one quarter yeah. and then obviously we put up seven in the fourth uh penn state puts another touchdown make it 45 17 games over um so we're like down a huge like heck ton by like the end of the third quarter and i was like what the hell happened and obviously uh i didn't see any in it so i watched through highlights and my game in game my uh, recording from youtube tv and um, some things, very sloppy, as you said, Soup. I was like, what the hell is with all these penalties? Like, this is not a a usual PJ Fleck team when it comes to being disciplined on the field, obviously. Yeah. Um, but also, I don't know why. Every time I I, I, I went back, so essentially when I was watching, I was like, oh, we're like driving down the field, then we make a mistake. Or in the case, one of the interceptions I saw, and I was watching it live when I chimed in, it was to Mike Brown Stevens. He didn't get separation. And the Penn State corner or safety that was on him picked it off and ran it back for a decent chunk. 
another interception throwing to Mike Brown Stevens. Just what are we doing? Can we stop? Can we just stop doing this? Yeah, and I was like, and also like his effort to try to tackle the guy. Like he was like, I know Mike Brown was already on the ground, but like, come on, man, like get like get back up, take the guy down, and like everything. But he does like he was already on the ground. He reaches arm out to try to make a like a leg tackle. I was like, ah, you're not gonna do that, man, or get that. Um, I don't know this. Post game, like, again, I wasn't into this. So I wasn't emotionally charged as I usually am when dealing with lo- some of the losses this season. I was just like, quick notes, sloppy pay from the Gophers. Um, I swear, always a pick when we throw the Mike Brown Stevens. Uh, I think it's like, I think it's like he's got ten targets and like five picks or something, which is crazy. Yeah, um, but I will say half of your targets going to him resulted in interceptions. <laughs> what or yeah. what? Um, but I do also want to note, um, even though it was we lost the game, I do want to note Mo Ibrahim still got his yards. He got a hundred plus yards this game and a yeah, touchdown in the ugliest way possible. In, yeah, thirty in the, carries in the ugliest way possible. Like I know Mo fought for every yard and for, for under, on every play he was on. Mo was being Mo. Um, in terms of like how Ethan played, of course he didn't play too hot. I thought honestly, I would, I, I would admit that, but I thought I sat and watched. So I sat and watched the whole game, right? Yeah. I, or, or I sat and watched most of the game. They score the last touchdown to go up to forty-five or whatever, and I was like, "All right, I'm done here. Like, I don't need to drag myself through the rest of this," you know. And so, I thought Ethan played pretty well. Like, uh, I mean, the pick, you know, I think that's a it, it's a pretty bad throw, even with like the context of MBS getting dragged down by the defender, uh, which should have been called PI, if not defensive holding, at least like, um, yeah, that, and the ball just hits the safety in the, in the head. Like, I mean, yep. it, it's, it's a bad throw, but other than that, like it's the same thing that we've been talking about for multiple weeks. Now receivers are not getting any separation. Nobody's open. The pass blocking is inconsistent. People are like, Oh, what about Brev? Like, like Brevin had a good, Brevin had a good day. Five receptions, 68 yards and a touchdown. Like that's a, mm-hmm. that's a great day for him. Like you're very happy about that. But I mean, every time we went to him, I just found myself asking, why aren't we doing this more? Why aren't we doing this earlier? Why aren't we doing yep. this more often? And then on second watch, it's because the tackle play is not where it needs to be right now. Yeah. And they are using him so much in run blocking and they're to help out your tackles. And sometimes in like RPO pass situations, he's got like a chip and release, which is really not what you want to be doing him because you don't have a true deep threat right now to stretch the field yep. and to open up your like RPO slant game that you really want to be running. You don't have somebody who is providing a cushion or like making the safety think about like anything more than 10, 15 yards like at all because they're just selling out for the run, which they should. And Brev is not being used in 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 that way. He's not being used to put pressure on the defense right now because he's basically being used as an extra blocker. Correct. Uh, And and regarding my notes about Ethan, like I thought in the highlights he didn't look too great. Obviously, those highlights are showing the bad play especially from big 10 network yeah. but looking at it from my end like i rewatched a bit of the game ethan for what he was thrown into again he only had the week to develop he looked he didn't look flustered if that makes no, sense no. like, like yeah. when he's on the sideline tanner's there in his ear like where they're talking things out 
looking at the plays like okay what do you want to do next what works for me very calm in the pocket too Correct. very poised like i don't know like I, I to me i felt like i think ethan i hate thinking about this right now but we have to don't do it don't i think ethan is making the right don't. steps to develop okay um that's as fine. a quarterback like that's fine a very focused mindset um, he's I've been a, seeing a lot of like Twitter chatter about like, oh, <laughs> just play him instead of Tanner the rest of the year. I'm like, you guys are out of your mind. Yeah, um, no, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not for starting him okay. like for the rest of the season. No, um, but I think like his first start again, a whiteout, 110 Penn State fans in the stands, mostly, yeah, cheering against us, loud environment, hectic environment. I think Ethan yeah. stood tall as best he could. Um, so I'm excited for the future, like you know, once Tanner leaves, but not right now. Yeah. Um, I, I love the way how, like, again, unfortunately, Brevin was, like you said, our top receiving leader for this game five for 68 yards. And I, Which is I, not like a bad thing. Like, that's fine. Not, but it's like, we want to see it more like, you know, I feel like a lot of... I want to see like, it earlier. I want to see it yeah, earlier. Like, I swear, like, we, like, I know Laurence talks, loves talking about Brevin because we've talked about him for literally, I feel like the entire, the entirety of the podcast when we started this we want brevin to be like a tj hawkinson or a uh noah fan that iowa had because remember those were like those guys were scary the game changers (laughs) game changers against iowa he's not he's not that he doesn't like have he's not like those guys are much closer to being receivers that are just big enough to play tight end yeah whereas uh brevin is way too big to be a receiver correct he no, is like a, he's a, he's a lineman who's small enough to play tight end like yeah that's who he is and like he is extremely athletic and smooth and you saw some success when they would split him out into the slot yeah and you know it's like oh well why don't we see that more like we touched on before it's because he's being used in blocking so much and that's yeah. more of a that's more of a like an offensive scheme problem than like a than like a a Brevin problem, if you ask me. It's like, why yeah. are you constantly finding yourself in these situations where you need him to help out blocking? Like, don't you have running backs who should be able to chip or, like, other tight ends who should be able to chip? And then you just throw Brevin in a slot as a receiver, basically? Like, who yeah. cares? Like, where's Nick Calrip? But whatever. Yeah. Um, and then other than that, I do I, – I will say as well, I did like one of the plays here, um, Lamecki Brockington. Even though he only had one catch for 33 yards, that was yeah. a big play. Um, mm-hmm. When I saw that, I was like, where's Lamecki and all this, man? Yes, but again, lacking consistency, right? Yep. Not getting separation, really, for the rest of the game. Like, and even that one, that's a nice catch with a, with a defender on you. And, like, you need more of those, but every single one of those can't be like that, you know? And yeah, I think and I you don't really have any burners right now. You've, like, MBS keeps seeing the field because he is one of the faster guys on the football team. He's the only guy who's really going to threaten to take the top off of the defense, but defensives have just kind of decided that they're not worried about that anymore. Which yep. why why would they be unless you show the propensity to do it and consistently beat people with it? They're not going to respect it, and I don't think they should. So, you know, it's it's tough because you're 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 really missing like Chris right now. I think you're seeing yeah. like we people were worried, and and you know we even talked about like how big of a loss is Chris going to be, you know, like how, how hard is it going to hit this team? And I think we're seeing now that it's a little more 
impactful than we all would have liked. Correct. And and I'll be honest, I thought I I think I might have overreacted if I'm being quite honest post Michigan State because I thought like man we dominated Michigan State and it just turns out their secondary is actually pretty atrocious um in in the conference so you know I did overreact I will say that I do admit that I overreacted and seeing a few games in I mean now, in hindsight you overreacted but that was a yeah, dominating win it like was. it's not it's not that much of an overreaction yeah it's, but um, other than that it's more of a of a more of speaking to like the chaos of college football and that every week is so different and that like oh, even sure. team team to team there's so much change you know every week that like yeah. who knows what's happening and i don't know i'm a little disappointed with daniel jackson i thought we'd see a little more impact from him but yeah he's probably i mean i haven't like dove into the all 22 or anything but i mean i'm sure i'm sure he's drawing a lot of attention from opposing uh defensive coordinators i think they have clearly circled him as the do not let this guy beat you on offense yeah because if if you allow daniel jackson to get going it opens up the rest of the offense for the gophers because everybody knows we want to run the football and you know unless you can make the teams respect the pass which the teams are kind of defaulting to we are not going to respect the pass until it becomes a problem Yep. which I think is the right way to defend us right now. But you're seeing teams just absolutely sell out to stop the run and say, let your quarterback beat us over the top. And we just we just can't do it. So, yep, for sure. Um, but other than that, I think that's all I have from post-Penn State. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, a couple things I want to hit on. Uh, yeah, the defense ahead. gives up 479 yards of offense. It's like their worst performance since the Maryland game where they gave up like over 600 in the COVID year that we don't talk about. And then uh, mm-hmm. uh, third down, third down for Minnesota, two for 13. Oof. Unacceptable. But why is that, right? Why, why, were, why is it two and 13? Because your average down and distance for third down, I would, I would guess after this game, I would guess your average down and distance was probably like third and eight to third and 10 at least. Hmm. which is just not feasible. It's not something you can consistently execute. I mean, 46 rushing attempts, 3.6 yards of carry, that's that's bad. I mean, 8.8 yards per pass, 9 for 22 is not like... 9 for 22 is a bad completion percentage. 8 yards per pass is like not meh. That's like fine. Um, they win the time of possession, 31 to 28, which is weird. But that's Very because... <laughs> that's because, well... The other thing, how did Penn State get to 45 points against a Joe Rossi defense? Well, the pillar of the Joe Rossi defense is don't give up big plays. They were number one in the country and not giving up big plays last year. Every single touchdown that was scored. Yep, there you go. Every single touchdown that was scored this game by Penn State was on a big play. So it's just like it's hard because there is so much crap to sift through for this team right now there's a lot of inconsistency a lot of uncharacteristic stuff and then there's a lot of weird tendencies that they're putting on tape like justin wally has that interception right the second drive of the game no it is the third drive of the game wally gets an interception right returns it to 37 yards to Penn State's 14. It is 0-0. Nobody has scored. You have had one, two, three, four drives go back and forth, two for each team. 
You get a pick. You get, almost get it returned the whole way. You get it in on Penn State's 14. Run. Run. Penalty on third down. Ugh. Run. Field goal. What in the world? See, this... This, I usually am not one to harp on, like, play calling in college because I think in college it's really hard to kind of understand what game plans are, what you feel comfortable with with your team, and, like, week to week with 18 to 22-year-olds is just so hard, you know? Mm -hmm. Who's going to be consistent for you on a week-to-week -week basis as an offensive coordinator? But to go run, run on first and 10 and second and eight in the red zone and not even try to throw the ball. Now we might be, we might be talking about like RPO reads where, you know, the slants not there, the seams not there as we talked about. Cause usually what happens is the progression is like, you look for the handoff. If the hand, if you don't like, if, if you, you hold the ball for the handoff, you look to your slant. If the slants there, you pull the ball, you throw the slant. Yep. If you, if, if the slant's not there and the run looks bad, you pull the ball and you hit whoever's pushed up the seam because if they're taking away the slant, they've got a guy sitting in a bubble zone, a hook zone, and you can just throw right right behind him, right in front of the safety. That's mm -hmm. fine. That's where, that's where Brevin lives and dies. That's where like he like wants to be. And then if none of that's there, you just hand the ball off. And I think maybe that's what happened first and second down, but I really would have liked to see some like clear dropbacks on yep. either first or second down there because – you are up three nothing on the road in Penn State. You have a chance to go for the throat here, right? Yep. You get the touchdown. Now you're up ten nothing, right? What's a field goal do for you? It's a one. They they score a touchdown. They're winning anyway. Like, like, I'm usually one to. I mean, I've done this on this podcast a couple times where I've been like, oh, I can kind of understand like the Purdue fourth down, the the one at Illinois we talked about last time, like. Oh, I can kind of understand it for these, that, whatever reasons. These, this one, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I can't, I can't justify this one. That, that's what really bothered me. And that's kind of what, like, made me feel like, oh, this is going to be a long game because we're just refusing to take any risks. And, like, I know yeah. people are like, oh, it's first game with a young quarterback. You don't want to, you don't want to risk him and have him make a mistake that's going to cost you or something. And I'm like, dude. You're inside the twenty. Like you gotta, yeah. you got your field goals are not cutting it. Field goals are not cutting it tonight. You need touchdowns, and it just felt like they didn't even try to go for a touchdown. They were just like, okay, hopefully Mo breaks one, and that's our only chance. And it's like, oh yeah. God, like uh, it just sometimes you have to live a little, PJ. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I I I honestly thought the game if I have to say, say it was more conservative from what we did the last couple of weeks, like last two yeah. games was what Purdue and, um, fudge, what was the other? Yeah. Illinois. I, like, yeah. It, I mean, I mean, I think just what we just talked about, yeah. what we just talked about, you go three drives in a row, basically not doing anything. I mean, the false starts kill you because they take you off plan. They put you behind the sticks. They don't let you really do what you want to do. You don't really have plays in your playbook for third and f 15. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. not that's not where you want to be. So, I mean, I get I get those for the first couple drives. Like, the first couple drives are like, 
Blech, basically, but they were like that for everybody. Like the the whole game was a mess from the beginning. You know, Penn State's first drive, three plays, four yards. Our first drive, three plays, negative four yards. Their second drive, three plays, eight yards. Then we go six plays, 29 yards. Two plays, two yards, and a pick for them. And then we go four plays, negative three yards, and kick a field goal. Disgusting. Horrible. Like from everyone involved. You know what I mean? But like... <sighs> I just really thought in that moment, I was like, you, 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 like that field goal has you go up 3-0. Just looking at the scoreboard now, I was wrong. It shows it as 3-0 field goal. It doesn't show it as like 0-0 field goal, then 3-0, which is weird. Oh. So yeah, you, you go up 3-0, I guess you take the lead, but like, I don't know. I don't really care about field goals in this game. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I just don't, I would... I, it's, I get it. Oh, young quarterback, whatever. No, like, let the kid throw. Let him, like, too much of this is, like, yeah. playing to not lose. You have to play to win. And I will also note this, too, like, um, you know, I like how Ethan played during, like, the, his reserve role. Like, obviously, we're playing on script for, like, the kind of offense PJ and Kirk Schrocker runs to run. But mm-hmm. I... When I look at Ethan's tape from high school and a little bit when he's with us, with as like in the, with the Gophers, he is going to try to buy time and extend the play or be a gunslinger. Like and he's got his eyes downfield, yeah, which is great. Correct. And I I was sad to see like like even though like I mentioned he looked very poised, looks very mature for where he's at as a, tr- a redshirt freshman quarterback. Yeah, I want to see more gunslinger. Like I was like, we have the like. I was surprised too. Like we got a pick. You can't. You can't throw to guys who are covered, man. Correct. You got. He. I don't. I don't think he trusts anybody to win a fifty-fifty ball for him. Not named Brevin Spanford at True. this point. You know, like. Yeah. And I think Brevin gets those because he's you know a a six-eight athletic freak and and I just don't. I don't think he. I mean, I think if he. I think he's rolling out. and He looks downfield and he sees MBS with a guy standing right behind him, or you know Daniel Jackson with somebody on his pocket. Like, it's just. Yeah. It's just, and, and he's being told your one job is to not turn the ball over, you know, like, yeah. and so, and he's not going to do that. And I think that's good. I like some of the downfield throws you did see. Uh, some of them were a little inaccurate, but they were inaccurate in a positive way. Whereas sometimes when Tanner is inaccurate, it's like, oh no, cover your eyes. <laughs> yeah. But, but Ethan was, was inaccurate, like towards the sideline or, or out of reach of his receiver. He was really not inaccurate in a way that was putting the ball at risk, which was, which is good. So I think he played with a lot of confidence and he played well for what was, what was uh, the situation in front of him. But uh, I just, I, I keep coming back to this. You just need consistency from your playmakers, from your offensive line. Like, you need you need somebody to step up and, and and be a playmaker for you who's you know not named John Michael Schmitz or Brevin Spanford and you just or Mohammed Ibrahim and you just don't just don't we don't have, have that right now yeah we just don't yeah we just don't um right uh, with with the game with the loss last weekend obviously losing seventeen to forty five um we're now four and three uh one and three in Big Ten play as we go into our next game here soup um. We are at home, back at Huntington Bank Stadium, uh, for which is so weird. A one thirty p.m. Central Standard Time kickoff at home. Uh, apparently, uh, according to the news, it's uh, there's a vol- there's a big top ten volleyball doubleheader in the Big Ten. <laughs> so that's why for TV. Yeah, for TV. So uh, that's f- sure. 
So hence a 130 kickoff. I'm like, all right. I like a 130 kickoff. It's great. Don't mind that. But uh, going into this, so uh, it's going to be uh, just some quick notes about this game. So it's going to be the first game where PJ will actually coach against Greg Schiano. The last time the Gophers played Rutgers uh, was a 19. Uh, that was under interim head coach uh, Nunzio, I think, uh, sure. when they fired Chris Ash. And then before that was when Tracy Clays was still the head coach and we were playing against Chris Ash's staff at Rutgers back then. Yeah, well and, and PJ and Shiano have some history too. Yeah, they which do. Is fun. Like, um, I'm not sure. Did you ever see Greg Shiano's opening press conference when he became when he got hired? No, I did not. Uh, the he he uh, we we kind of figured like I was talking with uh Griffin and Wyatt and Lorenz. I kind of figured where family forget about me, I love you came from. Mm, Greg yeah, Shiano. I wonder where that one came from. Yeah, <laughs> Greg Shiano. Um. So yeah, you can I tell if that's a Jim Trestle thing. Maybe I don't know because I know PJ worked on the Jim Trestle. I think Greg worked with him too. Or, or a long time, uh, yeah. long time. She, him and Shiano. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure where that uh, where, where originally came from, but you can tell they they come they come from the same cloth, uh, the kind of like coaches that they are. Um, so it's good again, exciting. Uh, you know the the uh, the the student who coached under the teacher is now they're seeing how this game goes um yeah pj was an assistant at rutgers under shiano the first time he was in piscataway as a wide receivers coach and then he went on with them to uh tampa bay which wasn't too hot but all right (laughs) um but going on from there so some quick stuff um uh I know I know you hate this. It's ESPN's FPI, but it's easy to read off my current list right now. Uh, Gophers are favored by 88.5% uh, right now versus Rutgers, 11.5%. Um, betting odds right now as of today, um, Monday the 24th, uh, minus 14.5% for the Gophers over under being at 41 Um mm. And as for record-wise, uh, Rutgers is in a similar boat as 41 us. over under. Yikes! Yeah, right now, go, in terms of record over our record, Rutgers is the same boat as we are. They're four and three, also one and three in conference play. And I'm just gonna rattle mm-hmm. off like their record so far this season. Um, they and they're not they sweep the non-conference, so they beat Boston College uh, by one. Uh, they wrecked Wagner. Um, they won by two against Temple. And then they have a three-game losing streak. Uh, they lost to Iowa to open Big Ten play. And this is the game where Iowa actually scored more than 20 points, um, 27 to 10. But I feel like it was a, lo- a lot of the points came off from turnovers <laughs> against the, that Iowa defense, uh, obviously getting wrecked by Ohio State. Um, they lost in Nebraska by one. <laughs> uh, and then uh, they beat Indiana um, last week, uh, and the wins against Indiana was after they fired their um, offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Mike Gleason was his name, or I'm not yep. sure it was his first name. Um, but he got fired because they wanted a change in like what they want to do offensively, and that was the first game without him. And they Sean, won. Sean Gleason. Sean Gleason. Um, but yeah, overall, uh, in terms of who's starting quarterback, I think we're going to see Noah Vedral from Rutgers' side of the ball. Um, Shouldn't no, matter. Noah Vedral, if it sounds familiar to some of our fans, um, the he was a former quarterback for Nebraska until he transferred to Rutgers. Um, other than that, nothing, I don't know. Uh, oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, one of their receivers was formerly of the Badgers, Aaron Crookshank. 
as well. Uh, yeah, and of course, their defensive coordinator is going to be very familiar with Kirk Soraka being former uh, Gophers, you know, former Gophers uh, DB's coach, Joe Harris-Simiak. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, Rob Smith got fired, too. I forgot about that. Never mind. Yeah, it used to be Rob Smith, <laughs> the, tef- the, the Teflon man himself. Yeah, so um, I feel like when I look at Rutgers, and uh, this is like I, I haven't seen all their games here, Soup, but my initial thoughts is that I feel like Rutgers in the same boat as the Gophers. They're still trying to find their identity for this team, and they've been struggling because obviously they weren't getting it done offensively uh, this season so far. That like, even though they did yeah. pretty well non-conference wise, um, they were struggling Big Ten play, a lot of turnovers as well. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like these teams are very comparable in terms of like trying to find their identity right now. But I think overall, though, the Gophers have the talent to, I think, overcome that. Like we have Mo still again, like Mohammed Moham- yeah. should be starting this game healthy mm-hmm. still. Uh, I, I, I'm just not sure what to expect out of the rest of our offensive playmakers besides Brevin and Mo. And Right now, Tanner is still day-to-day from what PG said in his press conference, so we don't know. Again, we won't know we, until Saturday. Yeah, until Saturday, day of the game, if Athens go take the start or Tanner. Um, I don't know. I, not even, not even like top five on my list yeah, of concerns yeah, right now. Like right now, I think that's the spread is too big. When I see this, like I don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think. I hope we see a really different team on offense, just like philosophy wise against Rutgers, because I think after this Penn state game, like this Penn state game was embarrassing. It's on national television in prime time. Like that's embarrassing. And I, I think they, you know, throw the kitchen sink at Rutgers basically because they're like, we need to figure out something. We're better than this team, and we're running it up until we find out what's going on. You know, yep. so I think this is going to be like a real big. But the thing is, you're you're coming against a, a defensive coaching staff who is very very familiar with you. So I think you're gonna you need to see a lot of tendency breakers in this game because right now you have way too many tendencies. Just like I mean, from like from like a a game from like a play calling standpoint a formation standpoint and like if brevin's if brevin spanford is lined up in line with with the um tackle with the the tackle there's like a 70 percent chance it's a run play you know what i mean it's like you have you're, you're putting a lot of tendencies on film right now and you're gonna have to break those tendencies this week because this rutgers team is going to hang around if you let them correct yeah, and I, I also want to say that too. Even though Rutgers have been struggling to find out it, like when I see when I see this team, Greg Schiano, whatever he's teaching them, they're going to fight. Even though like they're down by in the case of Ohio State, a big chunk of points, like they're there to play. And if you fuck up, like it, like what Indiana did last week, like I watched that that game was close until Indiana fucked up and Rutgers took the win. Yeah. Um So like the Gophers should not be obviously like. We should never sleep on our opponents, like how PG always does it, like one like one game championship season per game. But like this is a game where like, hey, put the foot on the gas, beat the shit out of them, and get you a win. You know, PJ is gonna want to beat his old boss too. True. Like, I mean, <laughs> like there's there's like, but they just have to execute this week. You know what I mean? No, it yeah. can't be messy. It can't be 
It can't look like it's looked. You got to come out the gate and you got to say, no, this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. If you want to run the football, good. Get off the line of scrimmage. Start pushing guys off the line. You're not doing that right now. You're not getting nasty. You're not, you're not winning battles up front on either side of the ball. Like the one thing, other thing I want to talk about that we didn't really touch on for Penn State, we've because we is another thing we've said for the last couple of weeks is the, the defensive line and the pass rush. Yeah, it's just not it's 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 not existent. Like Tom, where's Tom? What happened to Thomas Rush? Is he on a milk carton somewhere? Do we know where he is? Like the last thing I can remember him doing was punching the ball out at Michigan State. Like that's that's it. Like it just you need someone to to produce for you. I mean. Uh, is it uh, Jalen Logan Redding? I think whiffs on the quarterback. You know, he gets yep. through and then tries to make. And that's the other thing: you get your hands on the quarterback, it's a sack. Like you can't. You have to cash those in. And and I'm sure Joe Rossi's pulling his hair out right now, trying to figure out why they can't generate any pressure because they have really good a good group of coverage DBs, and I don't think they want to pull guys down into the box or into uh, or into blitz. Yep. Even because they're so good in coverage that you just don't want you want to give them chances to make plays on the football basically because they're your better players but you need to figure out something in the pass rush game because right now you know no matter how good those dbs are they can only cover for so long right so you need pass rush when you have good coverage that's how mistakes are made. We saw it against Purdue. The interceptions that happen happen because you get pressure on the quarterback, makes an iffy decision, and your defenders capitalize on yeah. it. Like, and that's how needs... you let guys like Newbin, Howden, Wally, like just go up in the air. Like if the ball is fifty-fifty and it's perfect for them, like they can make the play. Like uh, I thought that's, yeah. what, that's what I liked about the Purdue game. Like the defense got pressure with just four guys, or even if Rossi dialed up the blitz. Uh, to bring a safety in or a linebacker to dial up the blitz there. Our DBs may play. Like I thought that was the, our identity on defense. And as you mentioned it, the D-line ha- the last two games here has not no. gotten up pressure or any pressure at all on these quarterbacks. Here, I'll call my shot here right now. So here's what's going to happen on Saturday. Rutgers is going to come out, and they're going to just start throwing those little tight end seam routes that Penn State was throwing. Mm-hmm. That's all they're going to do to start the game is they're going to go right at Mariano, right at Braylon Oliver in coverage and say, figure it out. Yep. Because they couldn't at Penn State. They could not. And if and if they can't do it again, then they're just going to keep attacking them. You're, that's the other thing is your your defensive backs have been very good in coverage. Your linebackers are are – well, Braylon's not too slow laterally – Braylon's just, he gets his eyes caught in the backfield too much. Mariano is just too slow side to side to be really, really good in pass coverage like that. And he's getting Mm -hmm. exploited right now. And he's a great run defender. He's a smart player, but he just is not the top end athlete that can turn and run with a big 10 tight end. A lot of the time, correct. We are going to see that exploited again. What is the answer, right? Yeah. And I'm curious how that's going, how that's going to turn out. Um, but I, I think for, I think for me, for this game, still consistency, I just want to see that like, if we can be yeah. consistent and play our game, how the Gophers always played their game, we'll win. Like that's who we are and that's how we yep. win. But I really want to see us win in the trenches, win the trenches yep. on both sides of the ball. Cause you're not getting a lot of push on offense. You're not getting solid protection when it comes to passing plays either. 
Uh, but on defense, like we said, you're not getting a pass rush, and, and and you don't seem willing to to blitz extra guys. Which maybe maybe that's what they decide to do. Which you know, I you know they mix it up a little bit, but just not as much. They really just want to play, you know. They really just want to play their coverage and get pressure with four, which is, you know, in an ideal world, what you would be doing, but just not getting any pressure with four, and that has to change. So, yeah. So yeah, I'm curious how this game is going to go, but as always, we'll be rooting for our Gophers to get the win. So it's going to be, I well, you you'll you'll be there, soup, obviously. Yep. So have a fun time of the game. But uh, let's get I'll into try. some let's get into some predictions done. So um, I'm going to say W. But I'm gonna say the Gophers um, win it uh, twenty-eight to twenty-one. I'll go twenty-eight thirteen Gophers. Okay. All righty, righty. Going so, on from I, there. Uh, anything else? Um. Yeah, I just want to say to everybody, like the sky is not falling. Like let's. Like it's it's annoying to watch them lose three games in a row like this, where they, you know, they you get you you lose a close game that arguably should not have been close yep. against Purdue, and then you just get walked up and down the street two games in a row. You know, mm-hmm. like nobody wants to see that. But I think we all need to kind of like step back and remember like this where this program was before. And the reason why we're all so upset now is just because of the expectations that were had on this year. You know, Correct. if you finish this year eight and four, I think you're still happy. Correct. And right. like in my preseason, like Griffin and I and Laurent said we're going ten and two. Like the if this was a Jerry Kill or Tracy Clay's led staff back in like the fifteen sixteen when I became a freshman or a student here at the U makes me feel so old. I know. Right. Um, I would not have said we will go 10 wins because uh, at the time I know we bitch about him back then. Um, but he's like, he made, he broke records uh, as a quarterback, but Mitch Leiner was our quarterback. back Oh then. my God. Please um, no. We didn't have a receiver that can get separation uh, back then. Of course we had Shannon Brooks and Rodney Smith at running back. Um, but like uh, outside of like that, I was like, I would never like maybe get us to eight wins for a kill clay staff clay staff. That's a but, great year. And that's just a great year. But then for PJ, like going 10 wins or more is like, go be like, well, that's the expectation now. And I, but well, I think the expectation is eight, eight, four, yeah. I think is, is the expectation now. And I think, yeah. <sighs> and I can see that, like I can see us going eight and four this season or dropping to seven and five. And that's still, yeah. Bowl, like all of game. that is still in play as is, I don't know if you follow like the sickos committee. It's like a co- stupid college football account on, um, on uh, Twitter that just tweets wild stats or like scenarios for uh, college football. There is technically a scenario in which there is a seven-way tie for the Big Ten West, ending up with a four and eight Northwestern team winning the Big Ten West. <laughs> it is really? mathematically possible. Holy crap! <laughs> So, I mean, like, that's that's just college football for you. You know what I mean? True. Like, it's still it wide is. open. Like, it's still anybody's game at this point. And, like, I'll read this off. This is from Tony Liebert, who if you're a Gopher sports fan, you don't follow Tony, please do. Uh, PJ Fleck is 27 and 13 since 2019. 
Yeah. He's 14 games above 500 in the last three years. Like, let's... Like, it, like I, there are definitely legitimate questions, right? There are definitely questions I think we can all have right now. I think, yep. philosophically, the offense, something is wrong with. Because I, I think we're seeing more that last year, there was a Mike Sanford problem, obviously, last year. Correct. But I think we're seeing this year that there's also a bit of a depth problem. And, I mean, you lose Bucky Irving, that stinks, it's good to, you know, watch him tearing it up in, in Oregon. Like, he deserves all of the NAL money, too. Like, I'm never, ever going to fault the kid for that. Like, Ty never, Thomas never. Thomas also transferred to go back to Kansas. Yep, yep. And he's go. tearing it up with Adrian Martinez up in that but roster. But, like, Kai's not really playing. But True. Like, but, like, MJ Anderson's playing starter reps for Iowa State. You know what I mean? Like, the, the transfer portal and NAL have changed the way college football is. And there's, I think we're in this like weird reactionary period, just kind of across the sport where building a team is, is building a consistent team is now more difficult than ever because there's so much roster turnover. And I think the Gophers are kind of feeling that because PJ was a guy who was dependent on guys staying for four, five years in his program, right? Like that was their thing is long-term guys on the offensive line, long-term starters at key points, and then bringing up young guys underneath them with talent, right? Like that's the formula that he wanted, but it starts with having this foundation of third through fifth year players that you can rely on every week to be consistent for you. Something we touch on every week. It feels like (laughs) the transfer portal NIL completely changed that and i think we're seeing everybody like this is a wild college football season up and down like i think we're seeing everybody kind of suffer from their rosters turning over so much and i think the gophers have done a good job in the portal so i think um they will continue to do that and i think it will help them in the long run but there's definitely questions about like the offensive philosophy you're on soraka again it doesn't really look the way it should is it a scheme issue some of it's a scheme issue some of it's a talent issue but like it it's you know tick tock time you know like now people have expectations like the i'm not saying like his seat's warm at all i don't think that's the case whatsoever um i think he is truly like a long-term plan here for the ad for mark Coyle, and i think he sees himself as that but I think we might see a little more turnover on the uh, staffs than we may be used to. Yeah, I could see that happening. Um, but I'm just hoping, uh, I think we, did, we still have five games ahead, honestly. Again, we have Rutgers, and after that, Nebraska, Northwestern, Iowa, and Wisconsin. Um, games that, you know, especially in the case of towards the end of the season, Iowa and Wisconsin are our rivals. You're definitely through the meteor yeah. schedule. You're through the meteor schedule yeah. by now. Yeah, so I, I just think we still have five games left. We're like, Don't count us out just yet. Like, I, I, I think we're far from be contending for the Big Ten, like going to a Big Ten title game. But yeah. I think we can salvage it to be eight and four, seven and five. Get This get can still bowl. be a successful season. Correct, yeah. like Right. I, but you got to take care of business yeah, now. Like I may be smoking some crack here, but I can see us theoretically still winning in the last five games and going nine and three. I mean, yeah. Like, look at just from like a Vegas perspective, you're favored in three of the last five games at least. 
Correct. And I would argue if you play well in the three games leading up to Iowa-Wisconsin, the way they've looked this year, you're favored in those games as well. So, like, this at the beginning of the season, we looked at this stretch, Michigan State, Purdue, Illinois, Penn State, and we said those are going to be tough games. You're going to need to come out of those games ahead or even, right? Mm -hmm. You did not. You are one in three. That's why it feels like this. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but cool, cool. Well, thank you so much, Soup. Uh, so everyone, thank you for listening for the first segment here of the podcast uh, with just myself and Soup. Uh, we're going to go through a quick intermission, and then we'll bring in the other guys to uh, give us their reaction post-Penn State and uh, preview against Rutgers. And that'll be it for the episode. So stay tuned for the next portion. Soup, thanks for joining in on the first half here. Thanks for having me. Now I'm going to go watch the Bears make me sad. So, <laughs> bye. All right. Welcome back to OPA Podcast. Everyone, welcome back from intermission. We're back from our break. Now let's head on to segment two with uh, Griffin. Say hi, Griff. What's up, everybody? Along with Wyatt, who's finally back after a brief hiatus. There's three brutal losses on my hiatus. Oh, God. Yeah. So we're back for segment two here. Again, everyone, we're going to be uh, recapping the Penn State game, preview Rutgers, and any other items to wrap up on at the end of the podcast. Um, today, uh, we're still missing one host, which is Laurence. But, however, for the fans, um, Laurence chimed in at the with impeccable timing before the podcast. Um, besides, first-year law school sucking, um, from what he says. He says... Everything sucks. We're trash. Go Gophers. <laughs> to quote Laurence Guider. My man. Yep. But going Even from there. Tory, but <laughs> yeah, in in Badger territory. But uh, the good things rolling, boys. So, um, recapping the Penn State game, the Gophers obviously lost uh, seventeen to forty-five in Happy Valley during the Whiteout game. Um, there is some not great things and some good things that happened with this game. So I'll let you guys take it away. What were your reactions and thoughts from uh, Penn State? Well, my initial reaction is why are we so stubborn on offense now and play calling? I don't get it. Like, you start out, you try for two whole quarters to try to run the ball. You break off some okay runs, but that's not sustainable for for long drives down the field. Um, the Gophers' best chance at winning this game was playing with the lead. They kind of had a lot of momentum in the first five, ten minutes of the game. You have the interception by Wally. You have the field goal. I mean, Beaver Stadium sounded like a, a 
a Rutgers FCS matchup. Like it was quiet. And that was, that was the Gophers. Um, that's what the Gophers needed to capitalize on. And they did not because they kept trying to play the run. Um, they kept getting beat on the line of scrimmage, getting hit in the backfield. They wouldn't pass the ball. And Penn State didn't really have a – they completely, like, disregarded pass coverage because they knew we were wanting to run the ball. If we just mixed up our plays, we could have been a lot better. So just well, – I think makes- I think on that note, I think this is why we don't see the fans who are calling for Tanner's head, calling for, you know – seeing what Ethan has for the future getting their way quite yet. Because I think we came into this game without Tanner and Shiraka said, all right, if Ethan's going in, we've got to truncate the playbook. We've got to lean on the running backs who we know are going to move the ball. We've got to give Ethan a little bit easier of a time. And, you know, it's, it's not that I don't believe that Ethan's got something. There's definitely a spark there. But you go nine for twenty-two in the Big Ten. It's not, it's not how you win a football game. And that's on third down, right? Just confirm that was our third down conversion rate, or was nine that... for twenty-two? Is uh, his oh, his passing? Yeah, my bad. His completions. We also didn't do well on third down too. So, yeah, no. It, obviously, you're not going to win if you're not converting third downs. But you're also in in a, in an age of football where. Even the Big Ten is starting to move away from the run. You're you're not going to win football games with a quarterback going nine for twenty-two, and you know you can lean on one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in Minnesota history, all you want. Eventually, a team is going to catch up to you when you're not, you know, starting the guy who's become one of the key leaders of this program and. Whether people like Tanner or not, Tanner's the guy. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I I will say this from the last segment. Uh, Soup's main thing was that uh, TLDR, we were also very inconsistent as well. Like from from uh, he, he meant part of it this game, but also the the last two losses we've had prior to Penn State, um, the Gophers couldn't really find the groove. Like, you know, we were very one-dimensional. We were losing the battle in the trenches. Um, receivers not getting separation. And then when they do, they make great plays. For example, when Lamecki Brockington had his one reception for 33 yards, Brevin being the threat he is at being a 6'8 tight end, um, you know, more consistency on that front. But also, Soup also mentions, besides the consistency, uh, Brevin being more towards being helping on the blocking side because they don't trust the tackles from what soup says. So there's a lot of things that um, soup did say the last segment. Uh, just so our fans know that's a 45 minute segment people. And uh, he had a lot to say about those key items. So um, I'm, I'm in agreement with soup on that. Like, Hey, it's not consistent. And you know, I, I kind of want to say it, but I don't want to see Ethan start. Cause I think it should be, I think it's Tanner's role to be that puts us in the best position uh for the remainder we have in the schedule we got five games left in the season um and i think he gives us the best shot shot to win for the remainder but again right now he is currently still in concussion protocol and we're not going to know shit until this saturday morning yeah um like 
I, don't get me wrong. I'm thrilled for Ethan to, you know, be the starting quarterback. I think there's a spark there. I think that we have a very talented kid in the backfield, a very bright future coming. I want that start to come next year. <laughs> Let's get Tanner back out there. Let's get back to, you know, playing that brand of football that's sort of designed around what Tanner can do, what Mo can do. That's how we're going to win football games this year. That is our defense played, I think, this game, too. Uh, not necessarily bad, but they were just on the field for too many plays, I think, for a lot of it. Like, they just got worn down. But there were some bright spots in Wally, Newbin, and Tea Time. Like, I think Newbin probably had one of his best games as a gopher. If and it's, it's very good to see Wally show back up. Because Wally had a just terrible game against Illinois. It was like he wasn't even there. And then he then to show up with the interception and, you know, play a solid game. That's it's nice to see one of the bright spots, one of the bright young players on this roster pop back in and play his game. But I, I just don't think I've also seen um, as much inconsistencies and like miscommunication on the defense than we saw this last game. We had a couple bone coverages. Um, and, you know, maybe it was the environment. Maybe they just weren't ready for the snap. I don't know what it is, but, I mean, I think this next game that we have coming up will be a, I guess, I don't even want to say, like, rebound because I don't want to discount Rutgers, but, like, a good, um, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for. We need to get in there. We need to handle our business. We need to tune things back up. Because, you know, we've slipped off since the – I think the Purdue game really shook this team up. They didn't look good against Illinois, and, you know, they fell off against Penn State. And part of that is that the defense was just, just got to the point where they were tired. Yeah. And, but, you know, it's it's time that we need to just sort of play the game back at our pace. We need to make Rutgers sort of – come to us and beat us and you know i do i believe we can beat Rutgers? yeah uh does that mean that we should take Rutgers lightly absolutely not yeah um before we move on to Rutgers, uh great set great guys um was there anything else uh you want to mention about the loss against penn state outside Hold of this back to business special teams <laughs> Um, besides Matt Trickett, I think was a hundred percent on field goals because he only had the one, um, two for two and extra points. Uh, Mark Crawford had a, a lot of punts that day. I think. Uh, I'm not sure what the yeah, stat uh, a lot is of at. a lot of punts is never great, but you know, as long as we're not making the mistakes, that's that's what's really key. Yeah. Um, like I will say, I, I was kind of wishing for a positive special teams play like we saw in said Illinois game. Uh, 45.2 yard average on the punt. That's, I like that. We like that. Yes, we do. If we're going to have, if we have to play a field possession game, that's a good place to be. <laughs> all right. All right. Anything else from you, Griff? Um, 
The only thing I'd like to say is I just hope that in future games, if they ever see their game plan get disrupted, that they just adapt quicker. They did in this game, but just too late. It was yeah. it was at that point. That's it. All right, all right. So moving on, uh, ne- our next game will be against Rutgers at home. Uh, it is a 1.30 p.m. kickoff, Central Standard Time. Uh, it's such a weird time, uh, as apparently it's a volleyball doubleheader, which is going to be a very fun showdown from what they're making it out to be. So it's going to be a early afternoon kickoff. Uh, right now, in terms of what we're seeing from Rutgers, um, they have the same record as the Gophers. They're currently 4-3, and three, went 3-0 and in the non-conference slate, currently 1-3 and three in Big Ten play. Uh, their lone win in the Big Ten was actually last week against Indiana. Uh, where they won by a touchdown. Uh, but some stuff. Uh, Griffin and I, remember, we went to Rutgers back in 19, uh, the season when they fired uh, Chris Ash as a head coach. And was it Nunzio was their uh, interim? And after that, they hired uh, currently their current head coach, Greg Schiano, uh, PJ's uh, mentor, along with uh, some of our former Gopher staff working for Rutgers. Um in particular, Sue corrected me on this. Joe Harris-Simiak is the defensive coordinator for Greg Schiano's Rutgers right now. Formerly, before him, was uh, Rob Smith, who we know got canned from Minnesota after year two. <laughs> um, and a couple other guys on the D-line as well, um, coaching-wise. Uh, that's all the notes I have regarding staff turnover. In terms of players, we might see Noah Vedrill getting the starting nod. Um, maybe maybe not. We'll see. Um, and then uh, I think Aaron Crookshank, former receiver from Wisconsin, is also on the roster. A familiar name as well. But any initial thoughts about this game coming up? I mean, we know Rutgers does not, once again, does not have that strong of a football program. Um even just pointing to the loss to Nebraska, you can see that. Because Nebraska was in disarray, continues to be in a little bit of disarray. But, you know, Nebraska beating Rutgers is not a good sign for Rutgers. That said, you can't sleep on a Big Ten opponent. That's Look at what happened at Purdue. We all expected Purdue to be a game that we took pretty handily. And Purdue came in and beat us. They just came in and played a better game than we played, and we can't let Rutgers do the same thing that Purdue did to us. I mean, kind of like I mentioned earlier, too, I think this is just that get-right game. Get it? And why I kind of mentioned it, too, just do it, run our game plan and execute it well, do our business on all sides of the ball. Offensive line, don't um, give uh, Tanner or Ethan solid pass protection. Uh, push the line so that Muhammad isn't met in the backfield with some resistance. Um, defense, just continue to um, play your heart out and get off the field quick. I mean, I, this is this is a game where we can do all of that. Um, but it's also a game where if we're going to end up playing like we did against Penn State, Rutgers is more than capable of beating us. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Um, and and I, this is a game where we sort of just have to get right. If we can't get right here, we're not going to we, – if we lose to Rutgers, we're not going to beat Nebraska next week. There's no way. It's it, get right now or, you know, get out of town. Yeah, for sure. And I do want to mention as well, um, in terms of the betting odds, so as of yesterday evening, uh, Vegas is favoring the Gophers by minus 14 and a half. Over under is forty one, uh, and I'm I'm like I I'm not taking that <laughs> at all in terms of the betting odds. I don't know what do you guys think of the Vegas odds for that. <laughs> depends which Gopher team shows up. True. That's, I don't know. Well, the Gophers are four and three against the spread this year. Rutgers is four two and one against the spread this year, which is a weird thing to be tied against the spread. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't, it's going to depend on partially if Tanner's the guy or if Aiden's the guy, but it's also just going to depend on like Griffin said, which gopher team shows up. Is this Mm -hmm. a team that's going to play defense and get off the field? Give our, give our guys good field position. Is this a team where the offense is going to be able to run the game plan smoothly? Cause the gophers can win this game by more than 14 points oh for sure yeah but the gophers don't have to win this game by 14 points they can play a very good game and win by less than 14 or they can play a very bad game and not win by more than 14 or even lose this game it's it's all going to depend on what we see out of this team this week and they got to show some fight and you know, get back on track. Yeah, for sure. Um, going from there, you guys have any keys to the game? Then, obviously, we're like you know, get get back on 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 our playbook right here. But is there anything specific you want to clarify further? I mean, offensive line play, um, run block, run blocking, and pass protection for a quarterback. Um, as long as our quarterback doesn't get a lot of pressures and plays can be extended, there's there's a chance we can extend drives. I think that was a big problem against Penn State is there was just never too much extension of any plays. We, uh, we And you never know what happens when a quarterback gets out of the pocket. Usually a receiver finds their way, a way to get open. They're not, they might not be running the right route or anything close to what they were assigned in that play, but shit, shit happens. So my hope here is that another week of adjustment is good for Ethan. Cause I, I don't know if Tanner's going to start. If Tanner's there to start. Yeah. Put the ball back in Tanner's hands. Put the, put some faith in your quarterback. You can beat Rutgers. But even if Ethan starts, you can beat Rutgers if he adjusts well, if he's ready to go, if you put a little bit of faith in him. Maybe you're still calling a somewhat simplified playbook, but, you know, you can – Ethan's showing that he's got some promise. Let him throw the football in comfortable situations, and you can win this game. You don't need to – like, let, let Mo get his 150. That's fine. I – I'm happy if Mo goes for, you know, 200 yards or whatever. 
But, you know, let Ethan get in some throws while the game's still comfortable. I think for me, um, besides all great notes here, guys, and also from Sue from the last segment, I think um, no matter which quarterback is in, I, I'm with Soup on this one. I kind of want to see us use more uh, use Brevin more in the passing game. Either be lining him up in the slot or you know pitch and go uh, from the uh, offense from from the starting offensive line uh, on the, at the line of scrimmage. Just because he is a big threat, and if it's Ethan or Tanner, especially for Ethan, Ethan is a taller quarterback than Tanner. I will say that, and Brevin is a big target at six eight. And you saw that against Penn State, where Brevin was that safety blanket, that check down um, in the middle of the field. So I I want to see more of Brevin. Like I know every year, I since we started this podcast, we're like, come on, use Brevin more, and like we never get to see it. Hans's biggest thing was use the tight ends in the passing. Correct, game. and we never did. And I still want to see that. Like, and of course Brevin got his share this last game as well. Like even though we lost Brevin was at that with the final box score, he was our leading rece- receiver um, just because like he was able to provide that safety blanket. And, and he, I, I think we need to use him that way. And I think they're using, they've been using him incorrectly for the last four or five years he's been with the team. So I hope to see more of that, but I don't know. We'll see what happens on Saturday. I think it's important to note, it's something I say a lot when I look at the NFL, is look at these young quarterbacks and look at them and watch their relationship with their tight ends. The tight end is sort of the security blanket for the young quarterback in in football. So, you know, let Brevin be Ethan's security blanket if Ethan's starting this game. Let Brevin be the guy who's gonna find a way to get open especially when brevin is one of your top weapons we, we know michael brown stevens is gonna be the guy at wide receiver but you know Bre- i think brevin's a more reliable guy brevin's the guy who if i have to you know find someone to get the football to quick i'm looking for brevin yeah and uh i know soup if he was here he'll probably disagree with you regarding uh mbs <laughs> Uh, oh, soup, I'm not. Say, I'm yeah. not saying that uh, Michael Brown Stevens has had a good run of it so far, because Michael Brown Stevens is struggling a little bit in the wide receiver one department. If you want to hear a stat, obviously, obviously um, we wanted Crab. If you look, if you want to hear a really astonishing stat, um, courtesy of Soup, of all the targets that he he's had, half of those targets resulted in interceptions, um, which is a big yikers um i'm more of the line of i think daniel jackson is our guy but well i feel like he's been like soup mentioned i feel like he's been like covered more but also not getting separation again same thing with the problem with the receivers trying to get more separation and you know running running your right routes and you know making a play on the ball and beating the defender but i don't know (laughs) one of the big things about michael brown stevens is that He's not like a great route runner, and he's not a very big guy at wide receiver. So he's he's gonna get beat on the ball. If you don't place that ball to him well, a defensive back's gonna have a chance at it. 
And that's that's where that stat that Soup brought in is coming from. And I'm sure Soup knows that as well as well as anybody. Um, if you give Michael Brown Stevens a good chance with the ball in his hands, he can make you a play. But Michael Brown Stevens isn't going to win you games. Oh, uh, hell no. <laughs> whereas Brevin Span Ford might. Daniel Jackson might. Um, obviously, Mo can. Um, and, you know, we need to start seeing. Well, I'm not going to say we need to start seeing Ethan can now. Because in a, in a perfect world, Tanner plays. But it would be nice to see whoever the quarterback is this game show that they can take the ball and help help you win a game. And, you know, hopefully in the future, Ethan shows he can take the ball and win you a football game. Yeah, for sure. Anything to add on top of that, Griffin? Are you got anything else to mention about this game coming up? Um, rumor has it Dalen Wright will be suiting up, so I think that'll hopefully help us. Um other than that, just whoever, uh, yes, like like uh, Wyatt said, we really hope Tanner's QB won. Um, this is a game, too, where we can, um, where we're going to try and establish the run early, but I'd like to see us mix up some plays, too, and have um, have the ball spread around a little bit. Um, but it would be nice to see, because Brevin will, Brevin is bigger than all of Rutgers' defenders, um, Rutgers doesn't have, well, I guess in college football, there's not many people Brevin's size. So, um, he is going to be a guy that's going to win us this, this football game. If, if there's going to be anybody, it's going to be Mo or it's going to be Brevin. Or both. <laughs> Why not both? Hopefully ample amounts of both. For sure. Going on from there, boys, let's do some predictions then so before we get into the scores and the l's or w's i do want to recap our current scoreboard of our preseason predictions so surprisingly laron's is on top he is six and one in his personal record (laughs) um wyatt you and me are four and three (laughs) we're awful and then uh, Griffin is three and four, <laughs> and then uh, Soup, and, and, and during his time, he's currently two and one because he didn't give us a preseason, so he just gives us whenever he's on air. So he's two and one, which is so is a big asterisk on that and his prediction. So uh, yeah, <laughs> but let's go into uh, wins and losses. So I said in the first segment. Uh, I said we're winning the preseason, but I am not taking uh, that minus 14.5 spread. Uh, I'm saying the Gophers go on top 28-21. We'll win by a touchdown. You are taking the over, though. Interesting. Yeah, I'm taking the over, um, over 41. However, for Soup, he says it will take the dub, but it will be 28-13. Interesting. For sure. Soup's taking the spread, too. Oh. Yep. Wow. I'll let you guys decide on who wants to take this uh, <laughs> score. I'm an, I'll jump in here because I don't have us going. I don't have us on the over or taking the spread, but I do like a win. I think 
I think 21-13 sounds just about right here. And, you know, winning by eight points is winning. It's getting right. It's getting back where we need to be going into a stretch of games that's not going to be easy. Yep. And so you're not going to take the spread, nor and you're going to take the under. Spread, I'm going to take the under, but I'll take the Gophers for a dub. This is still Rutgers, and this is still a winnable football game. Prove it to me, boys. All right, Griffin, you're the last one. Let's go. 27. 20. Ooh. Win. All right, all right. Cool, cool. Well, we're all saying doves. Boys, gophers, go get them. <laughs> all right, that will conclude our preview of Rutgers as well. Uh, going into some other topics, um, when we're recording this segment, uh, it's after Monday. It's Tuesday today right now for this portion. Uh, I know if Soup and Laurens were here, they'll probably be. I I know Soup last night was like, I want. To, I'm going to watch the Bears break my heart, and they won. So the Bears absolutely did not break his heart. Oh my they god! Did not. That is that is the best the Bears have looked this season probably. They and have. That's maybe that's maybe not saying a ton. The, the Patriots did not look good. I think that game was more telling about how how bad the Patriots are than it is how good the Bears can be. But but yeah, it was a fun game to was... watch for a little bit. Yeah, like I I know um, uh, off air, Soup was like, "Oh, I'm watching the Manning cast," and then like was like talking about how much he he hate uh, Troy Aikman and <laughs> Joe Buck as a pair. We. <laughs> Well, we all and do. And guess it's the right call. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, I was watching the uh, a bit of Joe Buck and uh, Trey Aiken because I didn't have the Manning cast on traditional cable. Just so you guys know, I was um, recording the Penn State games and uploading that <laughs> to our private server. But moving on from that, uh, there's this talking about like, oh, Mac Jones, Mac Jones this, Mac Jones that, and Bailey Zappi. And I'm like, oh, stop this. <laughs> and last night's game. But no, it was a fun game to watch. Looks like the Bears looked really great. Um, obviously, our hometown Minnesota Vikings were on bye uh, this past weekend as well. So they'll be playing against the Arizona Cardinals coming up. So that'll be it an interesting game. should be game. a very, very fascinating game. Oh, for sure. Because... Uh, you know, we're going to figure out how good this team actually is. We're going to figure out – we might learn a lot about Arizona too because Arizona has not looked good. I, I believe and the Vikings it. The have Seahawks, looked quite good. In their, same, in their division, the Seahawks is leading with Geno Smith in the uh, NFC West. <laughs> That's why Geno didn't write back. <laughs> I'm more interested in a potential seven and one Bills Vikings matchup because Ooh. that would be the worst seven and one battle on planet Earth because the Bills I would absolutely smoke us. The Bills are a phenomenal football team. They are the Bills. The Bills were the Super Bowl favorites in the preseason for a reason, and they looked. Good against Kansas City. If anybody was watching that game, 
Buffalo looked good. They do, they do. But other than that, uh, more more trash to poke around at. Uh, the Lions being the Lions right now <laughs> in the division. Um, and then obviously, fumbling. The I feel ball. so bad for Detroit because it looked like they kind of had it together right away in the season, and it's just falling apart. Yeah. So much for Dan Campbell biting kneecaps <laughs> uh, so far. Um, and then, obviously, always got to give shit to the guys across the Mississippi River on the other side of the border. Green Bay is getting their asses whooped. <laughs> uh, my favorite was when they lost to the Jets, but they lost to the Commanders last weekend. And, oh, I uh, think the loss to the Commanders looks far worse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the way the Jets have been playing... The Jets have been playing winning football. They're five and two. Yeah. The, the Commanders have not been playing winning football. But and they also, walked out with Taylor Heineke and they beat Green Bay. They had, they did. And also, I do want to mention Ben St. Juice. I think started that game too and played all defensive snaps for the Commanders. Um, so he eaten. He he earned it. He earned every every second of playing time he gets. I mean, I think his um, his style of play is just summed up by that Darnell Mooney uh, pass breakup on uh, from Monday night, and I'm like, "Yep, that's that's uh, uh, classic Saint Juiced. That is Saint Juice defense to a T." For sure, and uh, I do want to actually. Uh, want to dive into some other stuff as well uh, outside of the NFL. Uh, our men's hockey program, the Pride on Ice, is currently still number one ranked in both polls. Um, and with that, this past weekend, we, in the first night in, in our rivalry against uh, North Dakota, good old North Dakota, we won the first night 3-2 and two in OT. Um, and then we lost 5-4 in overtime the second night. Uh and I had to take a. I didn't watch the second game, but yes, confirm this for me. Apparently, Pitlick in his celebration threw a stick into the stands and got a ten-minute penalty. I think that was Brock Faber. It was a Faber. Uh, I think Brock Faber. Yeah, he did throw his stick, and then a UND fan ended up throwing it back because it went right to him. Um, but yes, he did get. Um, I, th- I think he did get a ten-minute, but. It wasn't a man advantage, um, okay. So it was still five on five, but he just had to sit in the box. Got it. Okay, so it wasn't a situation where we were like a ten minute power play. <laughs> I don't believe so. Okay. Do you want to mention that uh, women's hockey is a women's hockey thing? Ah, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, uh, ladies. I I don't know your ranking right now. <laughs> uh, for that, probably pull it up real quick. Yeah, let me pull that so, up. Go for you it. Women's hockey. I they're Women's in the they're, they're in the top. They are number two under Colgate. It looks like. Okay. So they're number two in the country. So go go ladies, go wreck them. Um, and then other stuff as well. Uh, go for uh soccer. Women's soccer is doing pretty well as well. So, um, just one quick roundup uh, of our other go for sports that we also follow. And then, um, obviously, excited for basketball. They have uh, we got some good guys returning on the roster. Some guys we brought in via transfers, 
but also um, not this season, but in the seasons to come, we did snag a five-star recruit, <laughs> which I was surprised about <laughs> in terms of like go for basketball recruiting. So you go, Ben Johnson, you go. I mean, Ben Johnson was the guy that got us Amir and Oturu and all those dogs. I'm not surprised that um, Ben Johnson can bring in five stars. That's been his stick the whole time. Patino's just been the coach, so. <laughs> Literally. But cool, cool. Well, saw, um... I saw not too terribly long ago that Patino was trying to badmouth the program. Hmm. Oh. And uh, I'm pretty sure that's why he's not coaching anymore. Wait, seems he, like he got relieved from New Mexico State already, or when he well, left the he, Gophers. He, I don't, I don't know what he's doing. In, yeah, that's what I mean. I don't know where old Richie Patino is anymore. Oh, he's at the same school with Jerry Kill. New Mexico Rich State, I think. Patino. Currently head coach of New Mexico Lobos. Oh, New Mexico, not New Mexico State. New, yeah, New Mexico. Okay, never mind. Sorry, wrong school. <laughs> but other than that, um, anything else you guys want to chime in about our other sports? Any ta hot takes? Have you got any? The reason you thought New Mexico State is because Jerry Kill is head coach of the Aggies. Uh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> the other the other head coach but yeah nothing else boys um I got nothing else yeah I think that's it alright let's end the night here well everyone thank you so much for listening to episode 54 of OPA podcast uh, we hope you enjoyed this new method we're trying out again two segments with an intermission uh, let us know how it turns out you can let us know that way um and also your feedback through soundcloud as well or apple podcast will help a bit too if not check out our social medias or reach out to us privately if you know us in person but uh hope you enjoyed the episode have a great night and have a fun time uh, with the uh, next home game coming up if you're going to watch the game or sitting at home doesn't matter enjoy your time and have an elite week up ahead and wrote about sky Imago gophers and i'm one of your hosts jason o along with Griffin Most. I'm Wyatt Oakers. And we'll see you guys next time and have a great week. Hope. Hope.